Daniel, you're saying you want to uh, you want to redo your living room. Is that it? Yes, yes. Uh, do you think that I need to, you know, take off the crown molding over here and just kind of open up this whole wall? Oh, yeah, I think we could probably knock a wall down and really open this. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, I'm getting an aura. Oh, are you serious? Oh, the oh, the can't. dark energy. Oh. What what are you talking about? I uh, I'm sorry. I I can't work in this house. Something listen, terrible listen, listen, has listen. happened hey, here. Hey, I have 2.5 million dollars for you if you could just get this done for me. Listen, your house smells like cat shit. I don't want to work here. 2.5 million dollars? <laughs> Hey, my time is very valuable. <laughs> and my nose and olfactory glands. Yeah, I was lying about the curse before. It's it's really about the dead body and the cat shit. <laughs> okay, hey everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Indie Film Review. Maybe that'll make more sense later when we get into the dunes. Maybe it won't because we're talking about cat shit. And wait, maybe it will because a lot of people have cats. I want to say that 50% of the Indie Film Review listeners have a cat. Dan, what a great Dan fact. We need to get your own intro of like, Dan facts, Dan facts. And then you say something like that. We are like, 35% of all frogs have three legs. And you're like, whoa, that's such a good Dan fact. <laughs> Except one of those legs isn't a leg. It's penises. Anyways, uh, hi everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Indie Film Review. That's Dan. I'm Jared. We're here to review The Dunes 2021. Submitted to us by Martin Copping, and he wrote and directed it. And starred in it, didn't he? Yes, yeah, he stars in it too as the, as the lead. Uh, this is a very nice looking film. I don't know what the budget is, but it seems like they put some money behind this. Would I be wrong in saying that? It seems like they bought themselves a nice camera. Maybe a red? I don't know. I haven't looked it up yet. Some of the shots, there, there's like some shots on an airplane, and I don't know how they got those shots. Unless they literally took a flight and then were was filming without anyone knowing, or maybe they asked the, the crew if it was okay. But there were some really cool shots they got, and I'm like, damn, I'm fucking impressed they got these types of shots. Well, this is definitely not Hollywood. This is an Australian independent film. Well, so I'm saying, uh, so it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm saying like, because it's independent, I can't believe that they got these cool fucking shots. Yeah. The Dunes, Dan, what is this film about? So surprisingly complex, I think. This film is about a guy whose dad is dying, so to speak, but he 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 goes back to like take care of his dad and take care of his what do you call that? Like assets, I guess. He has a house that he might be his old parents' house that they were renting. His old parents' house, he owns it. Yeah. Since his dad is on his way out the door, he's like going to take care of see if he can sell it. This guy has a history with this place. Like his mom wasn't the best mom. And um, he he's a writer because something happened in his childhood and he wrote about it. A tragedy, yeah. And it got him national acclaim. And he ended up taking a job in the States. So he's working for the LA Times and he comes over and he he, he starts working there. Yeah. Anyway. So he's he's kind of an alcoholic. Yeah, oh, go he's, ahead. He's, he's an alcoholic. And while he's taking care of all the assets over in Australia again, he starts to reconnect with old flames. And then he meets a brand new person who is a mm -hmm. little too forward for his own good. 
it starts to like intrude into his life uh, in more increasingly disturbing ways. Yes. <laughs> Let's say. Uh, okay. Questions, Dan. Let's hear it. Jerry. Well, first things first, how long did it take you to feel extremely uncomfortable from the guy who was um, getting into his life? The moment he, <laughs> he knocked on that door and asked to get his car jumped. I was like, I don't fucking trust this guy one goddamn second. But when I would say it, the realistic, like, okay, this guy needs to leave is when he started to eat the noodles. Eat the noodles. Yeah, the, I was going to say that too. Out of the guy's <laughs> fucking uh, noodle pot. Okay. So for, first of all, first of all, let's, let's talk, let's talk logistics here. Mm -hmm. Jared, how long does it take to boil a pack of ramen? <laughs> because it takes like I like it a little al dente, and that takes about a minute and a half. Yeah, this guy yeah. left his ramen on his stove for at least six minutes. <laughs> and, well, and he comes back. He comes back, and it's just this full pot of ramen with carrots in it. And you're like, wait, yeah. Okay. And it's like dollar store ramen too. Yeah. So <laughs> it was funny. It was silly. It was silly. It was silly, and it doesn't really take away from no. Like, it doesn't. It, it, I'm just that I'm, doesn't really I'm, matter. I'm being an idiot. But it, but it made me laugh. But the thing that was bothering me about that scene, though, is how many times they kept cutting to the ramen. Yeah, like it was, like it was or like anyone cared, and they just kept cutting back to it. I thought his house was gonna catch on fire because I he thought left something. There. I'm like, what's gonna happen with this ramen? Nothing. It doesn't matter at all. It's okay. This gets to a, a bigger point where I think there is an editing issue with this film. Where I think the film is well shot and and constructed in that way but where the editor decided to break apart the film and keep that flow they're jumping around too much to too many things that don't matter really like that ramen like you could maybe cut to that ramen one time maybe twice i don't know they cut to it five or six times in the span of like a couple minutes and i'm just I couldn't understand why we kept jumping back and forth between these three. It Because, it, it, like, you're using the ramen as, like, an establishing or a close-up, right? Of, like, this is giving us the atmosphere of what's going on in the scene. It's not the main focus. We need to go to where the focus is. And it kept pulling me back to the ramen. Keep in mind that the the score of this film is very low-key, very ominous. It doesn't I like intrude. the score. Yeah, no, the, I the, the, the score, score cool. is awesome. But, it, but what I'm saying is it, it doesn't intrude, but it makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. So the whole time we have ramen boiling, we have like these really soft silence of the lambs chords. And you're like, why do I feel uneasy about ramen? And then like, you, you, so. Well, here's what they could have done, I think. Have one shot where we hold on the ramen for like a little bit longer and like make it a little uncomfortable. Like, what the fuck? But then again, that's like a red herring because nothing happened. With the yeah. Ramen. So, so, okay. So, so here's, here's, here's I don't my know. big. Jared is nitpicking here, and I, I can understand Jared's point of view in that there there seems to be like kind of a it, it, like it could have been edited better for pace. However, I exercised the most patience with this film. Like it, it didn't okay. bother me. Like I could sit through it. It was interesting. What really happened was um, prior to that scene, I believe there was this awesome B-roll of kangaroos and the the main character like kind of like visiting the kangaroo patch that I enjoyed. So like the B-roll in this film was excellent. I, like that's just one example. But well, it's not even B-roll. It's like interstitials. Yes. So yes. even that scene where he just shows up and he's like hanging out with kangaroos, it has nothing to do with the film. 
and it's it i guess it builds to more of like an atmosphere but i yeah, don't yeah, even yeah. know like i don't know what it builds to it just it felt like hey there's kangaroos let's go over there and film them here's here's what i think it was building to was familiarity like missing home yeah, I'm going to be home. I'm going to okay. cook ramen like I used to. I'm going to visit the kangaroos like I used to. I'm going to josh around with dad a little bit while he's still coherent like I used to. Well, that was a good scene because now we're visiting his dad and we're getting yeah. to learn more about him. I feel like they're... So the ramen thing, I'm I'm going hard on that because it was silly. It is a nitpick, but I think the editing with that jumping back and forth permeates throughout the entire film of like there are a lot of things that they keep cutting back to mm. or keep showing us like the flashback scene. They show that flashback scene so many times to where I'm like, why are we doing this? That is the one thing that I will concede to is the flashback. The flashback happened a lot. I won't say too much, but because of how stylistic the flashback is compared to the rest of the film, like it's very hued blue and it has like these kind of um, blurred effects on it to where it's like, it's very stylistically an interesting piece of film to look at, but we cut to it so much. The same thing with the ramen. And with that, that, that interrupts. Well, no, no, no. I think the, the, because of how the flashback looked, that's what interrupted the film to me. Oh, interesting. I just got tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. And it was telling us so much information that by the time the characters caught up and were actually telling us what that scene was about, we already knew. Like, we knew it ten times over because we had seen it over well, and over and I, over again. I, I, I feel like the the flashback was vague enough. Like, you kind of get what's going on. Dude, I, I nailed it from, like, the very beginning. No, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I nailed it from the beginning. But... Like, again, what was bothering me was because it was so stylistic compared to the rest of the film, mm -hmm. it, it became like this new art piece I was looking at every, you know, five minutes or so. It wasn't bad to look at. It's just I wasn't gaining any new information. And I think that's the biggest issue with this film. But but what I'm saying is like the, the juxtaposition between that stylistic looking flashback versus the rest of the film, it felt a little jarring to me, just going mm -hmm. from one to the other. That's the only thing that I think it like that it's too much. I see. That didn't bother me. I, I liked it because it was able to show us like this is a flashback. It was very clear. Whereas there was a there was a dream sequence that we have. Remember, he's got the vest on and he's going to go spearfishing. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure every time they show that that is a dream sequence. Yeah, anytime that he's diving into the water, it's, it's and a I was sequence. a little confused by that. That because no, that I got that immediately. Like the second time they showed it, I'm like, oh, every time he dives in the water, he wakes up. I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. Yeah. You're just a dummy. That's that's what that is. <laughs> Not a dummy. <laughs> you're bullying me. Oh, you're, you're such a bully. Anyways, Dan, so my question to you is, I had a big issue with the editing. How did you feel about this editing? Unfortunately, my interest was not necessarily peaked until maybe 50 minutes into the film in terms of the narrative. Mm. So a lot of the editing was in jeopardy because of that, because I didn't really have mm -hmm. story to hang on to that. I was interested in, in terms of mystery and like, don't get me wrong. As soon as 50 minutes picks up, I love the mystery of this film. I think it's really interesting, but literally the first 50 minutes of this movie is this, just this guy kind of going back to Australia and being humdrum about it. And yeah, that didn't necessarily make me upset in terms of editing, but in terms of narrative pace, 
mm. I guess. And like, editing does contribute to that, but there could have been more information that goes into it. Like we could have, we could have had more dialogue between that main character and other people. Like, I mean, we do have dialogue, like the people that he used to know, like the old girlfriend and then the, the best friend of the girlfriend who runs the shop now. That was so confusing to me. Why even have these two characters? Hold on. Let me find their names. Oh, here we go. So Misty and Becky. Okay. Becky was the old girlfriend. So why have Misty when Becky could have been that character already? Why even have a go-between? I don't understand it at all. He shows up at his old hometown. He goes to the grocery store and and he runs into Misty. And he seems to be kind of flirting with Misty. And then he starts asking about this Becky character. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll let Becky know that you stopped by, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that should have just been Becky. Because, like, the only time we get to see these two together with his old fling is, like, there's one scene with them. And then the next scene, they're at his apartment. I'll agree to disagree with that. That didn't bother me so much. Have um, more of a buildup between what's going on Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, have more of Misty first and then go into Becky. Mm, I don't need, I don't know. I'm not saying Misty did a bad job. I just don't think her position in the plot doesn't make any sense to me and it's irrelevant. Like it it could just be cut out completely. Replace Becky with Misty. It's the same character. Have a a slightly different conversation. They could have a catching up scene. They could have, you know, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a while, blah, blah, blah. And we start to learn more about these two characters. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm going to agree to disagree because Becky's story is literally that like, Nick leaves her because she didn't want to leave Australia and he had this amazing opportunity and yeah. because he's a fucking child, he doesn't know how to deal with that. He just disappears to America and leaves her in the dust. And that's understandable that she's pissed about that. So we yeah. have to have the middleman because she's not currently talking to Nick because she's so angry at, at him. I, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> I think we could have had a great, a great awkward scene between the two where you're like, I understand the middleman where you're like, why, why is this scene so awkward? And then later on we find out why hashtag team middleman. That's not hashtag how things team work. middleman team. It middle, is like, how things work. No, it's not. You always <laughs> like, okay, then guess what, Jared, if we ever break up, <laughs> you're going to hear it through somebody that we move. No, no, know. I'm not. I'm going to show up at your house and I'm going <laughs> to fucking kill your dad. No. Okay. <laughs> Spoilers, guys. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna spoil the film now. We haven't already. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you'd like to see the dunes, let's find out where it is. I would just search Martin Copping the Dunes. I'm having trouble finding it streaming, but it is out there. I think there's a lot of other films called The Dunes, unfortunately. Uh that's it's giving me problems because we were sent a, a link for it. So but yeah, uh okay. We're going to spoil the film. Here we go. Let's talk about the villain of this movie, yes, right? Okay, yes. So what is his name? Night Nighty? Is it Nighty? <laughs> I don't know. Because he says it, and I rewound it, and I'm like, what? I didn't catch that. And then they say it again, and I'm like, I feel like it's, it's very um, ignorant of me to, to, to say that I don't know what his name was. Because it was like this kind of offhanded Australian accent. It just might be a name we've never heard of because we're two dumb Americans. But yeah. like, I'm just going to call him Nighty because that's what I heard. I don't, I don't know what else. Naughty. Naughty. Oh, I like Naughty. Nah, 
Whatever you feel like is correct, we'll do that. So we have this character, and his whole deal is when he was very young, maybe about 10 to 13, around there. Six. Six? He was six years old his, when he did this. His, no, he was the sibling. He was six, and his brother was 13. His brother, when he was 13, snuck into their parents' room with a cricket bat and beat them both to death when he was 13. How can a small 13-year-old kill a grown man and his wife with a cricket bat? I watch a lot of true crime, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very well-versed in how this happened. This, this kid was the skinniest little kid. Casting. Jared, chill it, chill out. <laughs> this is a plausible plot. This is a plausible plot line. I I completely believed it. Didn't have There's to suspend no that far. There's uh, no they way. They were sleeping. Dude. They were defenseless. It's a cricket bat. Those you get hit once and you heavy. wake up. <laughs> this little kid. Oh man! If you Nothing? if you see okay. the scene, you're like, Jared? I can't believe this. Jared, you obviously uh-huh. haven't felt <laughs> a cricket bat. Unbridled rage. Just, just so pent up aggression. You haven't felt again. This is a nitpick for me. We can move past it. Yes, please, because I don't agree. <laughs> okay, so the reason that the other brother was doing this is because they were getting From either six years old. Six years old, he he was abused, and then whenever the brother who is the villain turns six years old. The older brother is like, hey, I'm going to defend you from this so you don't have to deal with it. And he kills the parents. Yes. And then that story, the six-year-old goes to confide in a boy at school. And then that boy at school is the main character, Nick. And then he is so... a piece about it. Yeah. He's so disturbed by it. He's like, I need to just write this, write about this because I can't get out of my head. And then it becomes a huge news story and it goes international and then it, it ends up eventually the the young boy goes to jail because of it. Now, my question is like, did the little kid who beat his kid, like his parents with a cricket bat, did he get away with it at first? Like, how did they not know it was him? No. He like it, it went to trial, but the 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 little kid is like the only reason he went to jail is because you made it so widely known. Oh, because it became such a huge story that there was a public outcry. It's not that he got away with it. It's just he saw that the media picked it up and he saw that this person that I can access is the key cause of the media Mm -hmm. wave. So regardless, that kid was going to jail or he was going to get penalized. But the, the, the upset from the villain is because of the mediated aspect of it, which was interesting. Yes, it was interesting. And then, so then we have the other side of the story, which is Nick went on a trip with his mom and his brother to the dunes and they were over by a cliff and his brother fell in and died. Yes. Because his mom was a drunk and wasn't paying attention. It wasn't parenting or taking care of them. Uh, and so they, we have this Mixed in with Nick, he becomes a father, like, unexpectedly. Yes. And then kind of just, like, is stuck in this relationship with this woman who he kind of doesn't really want to be in that relationship anymore. Um, But he's, like, cares about his kid. So we have all of that going on with him, and that's hence the flashbacks and him showing all that. Let's get into this. So he invites her over after they rekindle, and um, they find a dead body. This is this is the part of the film that I'm confused about. 
Yes. They find a dead body in his backyard. He's been smelling it since he got there. He's like, what is that smell? I can't, I don't understand. The smell of rotting corpses. Yeah, they, they find <laughs> a the dead body. Corpse. And then the, the police officers are like, yeah, you did it because you're weird foreign Hollywood man that's coming back to town. And we, we come to find out that, well, I guess we don't really find out. Like the, You don't really know. You, it's assumed that it was the renter, the previous renter of the place that went missing. And and he was killed by um, Nighty. But we don't really have a motivation as to why, unless Nighty knew that Nick was coming back into town. So what I assumed is that Nighty knows that Nick owns that property. And if he were to get rid of the renter and he stops paying rent, he would maybe come down there to reset up the house so that he could have this chance encounter with him and basically confront him about that story he wrote when he was really young and how it affected his life. So what you're saying is Nick's presence in Australia is premeditated. I mean, not for, I mean, he didn't do it, but no, yeah, but yeah, it 90, was like, I'm going to lure you over. Oh, that's weird. This is all a ploy. And I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I, I can see that it is kind of cool, but uh, if, that, that is the part of the narrative that I will say is a bit of a stretch for me. I mean, the dead body just, like, it's literally, like, ten feet away from them, covered up by some... I mean, and, and why didn't don't he take it into it, the woods? They don't find it till like, an hour into the movie, and then you have 30 Two minutes. Two days go by yeah. before he finds it. So he's with this woman, uh, this woman he's going to cheat on his uh, almost wife with, who he has a kid with, and they're about to have sex, and then they find the dead body... <laughs> No, no, no. No, they're about to do it. And then Nighty shows up. Nighty <laughs> shows up creepily and tries to invite himself in and like drive her home and everything. And they're like, go away, go away, go away. He's being really fucking creepy. I would call the cops by this point. He showed up in the middle of the night. Yeah. He leaves. Then they're trying to have sex again. And he can't do then it. Then they find the dead body. <laughs> wait, oh, wait, wait. No, they find the dead body. Okay. But then, okay, later on. They try to do it again. He can't do it. Nick can't do it because everything's going wrong with him. And but the then, dead body. Yeah. She, <laughs> she goes away to her own uh, little cave. And this then scene. Nighty shows up. Nick is having a nightmare in the other room. Nighty starts caressing uh, Becky and they, they have some intense sexual pleasures, my friend. I hated this. I hated every you know, it was moment fucked of this. Up. It was very fucked up. Um, it reminded me a little bit of old boy, the way he kind of like caresses gently, like her, the, the long length of her body with his fingers, but he was, he was naked in this. He was naked. So I get like the creepy psychological nature of what's going on with this character and how he's like, I'm just going to destroy every aspect of your life. Um, and then throw it in your face so you can feel the pain that I felt because you wrote like one article about my brother and this scene just felt like mean. It just felt mean to me that they, that he was doing that. And then he like has sex with her. She realized she's just gotten raped and then he breaks her neck. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I need to see any of that. Like, this is just so fucked up. And then I like where it goes from there because like two weeks after Nighty dies because, or not Nighty, Nick dies because Nighty stabs him. Like, okay, here, here's, yeah, the main character gets killed. Yeah. But 90s vengeance is not satiable. It's not satiable. Yeah. Because later on, the wife comes for a funeral. I can't and believe they kept going after approaches the wife and he's like, hey, I'm, I used to be a spearfishing buddy. Ooh, callback to the other narrative. Yeah. Anyway, 
I used to be a spearfishing buddy, and I just wanted to know more about Nighty as a kid because I didn't know he had a brother. And then she tells him about the brother who died, and it's like, and then it like they they're in the car together, they're talking, and then the film ends. So it's like, is Nighty gonna kill his his pretend wife too? <laughs> like, is there no stop to Nighty's? Because also, what we haven't mentioned is Nighty has murdered the fuck out of his dad. Yeah, kills his fucking dad for no reason. It was like an off screen death too. I don't even know why they had it. I just don't get why it was in the film. I like, ah, kill okay. dad. I I enjoy how devious and upsetting Nighty is. I enjoyed that a lot. I'm fine with being devious and upsetting. I just well, like, why not just like show the dad dead and surprise the fuck out of the main character instead of just having the murderer like show up at his house and grab a knife and then we cut away. I think the way the information is given to us, I dislike not not what the information is. Hmm. Again, I'm not saying that it shouldn't, that we can't have things like this in the film. I just don't think it worked. No, 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 no. I know what I'm saying is I agree with you. It was like zero to a hundred, but some films do that. And yep. like, you know, some blockbusters do that. And those blockbusters end up being shittier than this film. Yeah, that's true. It's a risk. Like, case in point, case in point, um, the most recent, or the, the, the first remake of it. Mm-hmm. Like they showed the child death in the first 10 minutes of the film and it yeah, was gruesome and intense. disgusting, but the film plateaued at that, mm-hmm. which just did a huge disservice to it. So I, I understand why you felt upset with the zero to a hundred, but also that death in that film was a catalyst for the rest of the movie. I suppose. Right. It, it like, it had more of a meaning and affected the characters more. And that character shows up and he's used, you know, against the main character later on is like to trick him. And there's way more emotional weight to that than just like, I'm going to rape this lady and murder her. But the visceral nature of cinema, like the ability to see what you're seeing, that's the heaviness of that scene was. Yes. Okay. So it's only in the moment that that scene is affecting you, but no, it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. With any other part of the no, film. No, no, no. It's, it's different. In the moment, it's affecting me as a rape scene. Yeah. In the retrospect, whenever you finally get to understand that, hey, I'm the kid whose brother you sent to jail. Once you realize that, you start thinking about that rape scene. You're like, oh, this guy is... So So it's, it's a lot of retrospecting in this narrative. You know what made it really bad for me, I think, is that she doesn't know that she's being raped. And she's enjoying it. That's I think that's probably the most fucked up part about it and why it upset me so much. So as much as I, like I said, I don't like the scene because of how heavy it is. It affected me emotionally because of that. Hmm. It certainly gives you emotions. That is yes. true. Yes, it <laughs> That does. is true. How did you feel about the main character just unceremoniously dying? That like, he surprised just gets, me. Like he acts like a fucking idiot. And it's just, he's not realizing what's going on for the longest time and then just gets stabbed. There is a certain level of naivete to, to Nick that didn't make sense. I can concede to that. It was wild. But did it bother? I don't, I can't say it bothered me. What about the mystery? Because I feel like they built this intricate web that you figure out within like the first 20 minutes. So of the you film. do figure it out, but you don't figure out the details. So it's like you, the, the, the way that he I was the brother instead yeah, of the, the actual the, the way that I, it. the way that I kind it's of inconsequential though, really to the story. Is it, is it, is anything inconsequential? I don't know. I think so. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I think it depends. If there's if the revelation is that there's no revelation. What I'm getting from you is you were just frustrated with the narrative by the end of this film. I was frustrated with the narrative and the and the editing and the pacing. But okay, but the narrative specifically, you were frustrated with the payoff because you had already figured out things and you just told me that the details that you figure out were inconsequential. So the payoff to the figuring out didn't strike you as significant. So yes, and I mean, we need details. Mm -hmm. Details are the story. It's what's driving us forward. But there are so many scenes of just like, we're driving in a car and we're getting out and we're walking to a place or we're like, oh, I need to get my car jumped. Let's show every single scene of my car getting jumped. Uh, oh, I need to go get a gardener. Oh, we didn't even talk about the gardener guy. Oh. Which is probably the most interesting yes. part of the film yeah. that is yeah, never brought up again. We have this shining moment where he's like, "Oh, I got to get this garden fixed." This is before he finds the body. So, so, so he's an Aboriginal gar like landscaper, basically. Yeah. And he comes in, and because he's Aboriginal, he has this kind of, you know, spirituality. Mysticism. Yeah, this mysticism that's around him, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna do this because uh, there's bad juju here." Good luck. Dark energy. <laughs> and then yeah, he, he basically tells him. I usually do a cleansing ceremony before I work on someone's yard, which is very strange. And then he's like, but I won't do it because uh, this place is basically cursed and I'm going to fucking leave. And I was like, that was interesting. But then again, it's like just that one scene and then never again. Here, here's what I think might have helped this movie. Because you, you brought up the idea that... Um, the mystery. And like you were asking me, like, what do I feel about the mystery? Mm -hmm. I think there should have been more parallelism between the villain and his situation and why he's out for revenge and the protagonist and why he was so disturbed by the villain's story. Because yes. you have that death in the family in both areas. So I, I think there could have there, there there was more to be said with that arc of narrative that we didn't really get. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been interesting because we have that scene at the end where, uh, Nighty is with the main character's wife after he murders him. And he learns about the story about how his brother had also yeah, died. And then it ends and you're like, well, I wonder where, where this is going. This film has been polarizing. Thank you again. Yeah, um, it's Sir, Sir Martin for submitting this to us. Uh, hopefully, Hopefully you like our review. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anywho, it, it, it's this is the longest we've talked about a film for a while. This is crazy. Seriously, uh, yeah, you guys yeah. can find us on Twitter at New Film Pod. You can find us on Instagram at New Film Review Pod. You can email us at the end of film review at gmail.com. We have a Patreon for filmmakers primarily. I mean, you can give us one dollar, three dollars, but if you're a filmmaker, five dollars, yeah. and then you get a foot long. $5 foot long, you get a smaller list of film to be on because our way, the, our turnaround time for your submissions, directors, is about six to seven months because there's so mm. many of you. And we are but we are but pawns in the grand scheme of things. And we are doing this for fun. We are doing this for fun. Um, <laughs> Why did you look at me so hard no, when you said you, that? No, just, not you. Just the people that need to hear this, filmmakers, like... We want uh, to see your films. Just be patient because yeah, we have day jobs. Um, Jared, yeah, yeah, tell absolutely. us more about that that Podicon. Yeah, so 
if you somehow enjoyed me screaming <laughs> for 40 minutes, you, you might also enjoy uh, the necropodicon.com with a lot of other really cool podcasts on there. There's role-playing podcasts, there's storytelling podcasts, yeah, there's improv, sketch. It's really cool. Go check it out, necropodicon.com. Uh, tell your friends, tell, tell your, just hug your family. You just go to your family. Yes, <laughs> just, you hug know, them, enjoy uh, their company. Yep, that's right. Just, uh, you know, just live your life to the fullest because you never know. You never know when a man's going to show up with jumper cables at your house and just ruin everything. Uh, but, okay, thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Dan, you're the final word. Hey, I cannot work on this garden because there's ramen um, burning in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to have to um, you're gonna have to call my buddy Jim, and he, he'll come in and he'll fix you up really good. Uh, he, he... God damn it. <laughs> I forgot about that, Robin. <laughs> <laughs>